it's exciting to be uh, part of a community in in Ballarat and it's really exciting for the three of us to put all of our skills into place and for us to to build a business that's that's you know going to take its place as part of Ballarat's culinary tapestry but it's also nice to be part of a, a regional community again. Today on Dirty Linen we are heading to Ballarat to Hotel Canberra. Our guest today is someone that I've encountered many times over the decades I've been writing about food, but I've never encountered him as a restaurateur, a hotelier, a publican. Pete Dillon, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you. And it is very nice to be encountered (laughs) again after so many encounters. It's great to join you. Yeah, it's so good to chat to you. I think actually maybe the last time I spoke to you, you were hosting your radio show and we were talking about some foodie-related thing that I was up to. So um, how the tables turn, please um, put yourself in context. Tell us what you're up to. Well, my brother, uh, Paul, and my partner, Jiggs, and I have taken over Hotel Canberra in Ballarat. Um, This is a 95-year-old building. Um, It's had various incarnations in its life. Uh, A lot of people kind of talk about, oh, my grandparents used to drink there, or one of my friends actually said, oh, my grandparents met there and, and fell in love. So it has a connection to a lot of people. Uh, it's kind of right in the heart of Ballarat, so away from the main street, across the road from the cemetery, uh, a short walk to the lake and, and a short walk to what we would call central or downtown Ballarat. So it's in a perfect spot. Um, she's a beautiful old building. Went through a very big renovation back in 2017. So from a renovation point, we haven't had to do a lot to it. We've just kind of paired it back and given it a, a new lease of life. And... I mean, what's your, so I know you mostly as a a publicist, public relations expert, maestro, someone whose press releases have dropped into my inbox and have always been worth reading. I just, uh, I was so surprised. I felt like I'd misread it when it was, I was like, is this my Pete? Um, Who's suddenly um, a hotelier. Can you just explain, you know, just give us your story. Like what has brought you to this point? Well, this is kind of, for me, and and it's a collective, so I don't want to kind of just make this about me, but for me, it's a culmination of all of the years of work that I've done. So I started my career as a chef, um, and from chefing, I moved into front of house and worked in restaurants, and then uh, moved into hotels. So I was with the Sheraton Mirage, and it's kind of heyday back in the the early 90s. So I was up there for a couple of years. Um, So hotels are, are in my, kind of featured in my CV for a long time before I came back um, to uh, firstly in Sydney and then in Melbourne and kind of did a, a marketing qualification then in a commerce qualification became a journalist and spent half a dozen years at the ABC and then went out on my own in around 2010 so spent the last 12 years as you know in public in publicity and marketing in brand in comm so this now is a, it's a culmination of all of those things so taking those years of working in hotels taking those years of running restaurants putting my food knowledge on the table my my love of and passion for wine and alternative varieties and that kind of thing so I've kind of for me it's a combination of skills for my brother it's very much um a passion of his from he wanted to be a chef when when he first left school he became a printer he's always been a part of the industry he worked at the loaded dog when it was 
um, a big thing. He, he's worked at the Albion Charles. He's been involved in bowls and football clubs and, and has been looking after his bowls club in Strathmore for the past half dozen years um, and taking care of the, the bar and what have you. And then my partner Jigs. Jigs was at Rockpool before we came here. Um, in Melbourne and prior to that had spent some time at Ipudo, uh in Melbourne because he, he chose Melbourne as his, his home uh, after eight or nine years working on private ships, private yachts around the world. So combined we have a, a reasonably formidable team of, of, of skills and knowledge that, that allow us now to look at the hotel and operate it in a way that we have Bobby's, which is, which is our bar, uh, we have Vesta by Jigs, which we're opening at the end of November, which is our restaurant. And we have the Stables Cafe and Bar, which we're opening this weekend, uh, seven days kind of uh, cafe bar that you would, you would you would find something like this in Melbourne. But we will are very lucky to have a, a, a nice big space to be able to play in as well. That's amazing, Pete. What a what a journey. And, you know, we love of this podcast talking about pathways in hospitality. And, I mean, you really demonstrate the fact that not only are there so many ways to go within hospitality, but that you can step off to the side for a while and then, and then find your way back in. I mean, would you say, you know, everything that we've all been through over the past couple of years has been a catalyst for you wanting to get onto this new stage of your working life? Yes and no. Um, I think when I when I came back to Melbourne in the middle of the first lockdown, I'd always had in my mind because we were my previous. I don't want to go delving into what happened previously, but um, you know, it's it's something that has been in my my mind and in my kind of lane for the last three years. And I looked at um, I think about eight different properties, but settled on the Canberra we walked in and we all kind of went oh my god her bones are beautiful um, these original ceiling roses are stunning we just kind of looked around and went this has everything that, that was on the plan plus a little bit more so the plan had always been to have a bit of a destination within two hours of Melbourne where we could do a restaurant we could do a lovely wine bar and some accommodations so we could combine all of those to, to provide a, a really nice offer the cafe, I guess, was um, the, the bonus, and the cafe is kind of happening in two stages. We'll open the front part, which is formerly a, a, a tea room. Um, we've done a renovation in there. We've got a, a, an open kitchen in there, so um, we'll we'll do that as part one, and then part two is where we connect that building to some hundred-year-old heritage-listed stables at the back providing us a, a kind of almost four spaces in the cafe. There's the street side, there's the tea rooms building, there'll be an indoor-outdoor kind of area, if for want of another term, a, a patio or a pagoda um, that connects the two buildings and then those 100-year-old stables. The horses, that, or tra- horses used to pull trams in Ballarat and we've got some beautiful photos from um, around 1927-28 where um, there is a tram at the front, horse drawn out the front of this hotel, and the horses used to be switched over, and that's the reason we have stables. So, um, being able to kind of chart that story and, and tell that that as part of our narrative at, at, at the hotel is, is a lovely way of demonstrating its its kind of presence in Ballarat. And anyone you talk to and say, "Oh, we're at the Canberra," they all know exactly who we are and where it is because. It has stood here and kind of imposing on this corner for quite 
quite some time, almost a hundred years. So um, the narrative is, is really lovely and it's, it's beautiful as a storyteller, um, as a journalist, as a, as a food person to be able to tell the stories of the, the many kind of journeys that this property has been on and how we're able to bring it to where it is but incorporating all those things, some of which are are 100 years old. And why is it called Canberra? Interesting story. In 1927, our national capital opened, um, Canberra, and the hotel had gone through another kind of small disaster. It's had three major fires. The first two wooden buildings burned down, so this building is now... um, is made of brick, obviously. So, um, in 1927, they opened the hotel and I think wanted a change from the vine, which was its former name. So, they called it the Canberra because the National Parliament was opening at the same time. <laughs> That's kind of cute. It's like we were all just so excited about Canberra. That's really nice. It, it is cute, and like there's a very cute touch. There's like in the bathrooms or the toilets in the in the bar, the toilet roll holders are, are made of little um, coats, the Australian coat of arms. Um, so there's all of these little touches that kind of point to that time as well. Wow, I love that, Pete. It's really yeah, so nice. So let's talk about regional dining and you know you mentioned that you wanted a destination Ballarat's one of those you know there aren't that many Victorian towns that can really I suppose sustain and be their own sort of market um, completely Ballarat is one of those but of course it loves visitors as well where do you think regional dining destination dining is at in Australia at the moment Look, I think COVID took uh, uh, across the industry one great big swipe at uh, at operators, and I think there are many who have kind of thought about how they would then not reinvent but reconfigure what they were doing. And I probably use Michael Ryan at Providence as a fine example of that. Um, Michael now has a. a uh, a business company he has an alcohol brand that sits beside his building. Uh, sorry, beside his his restaurant. And I think those those that we know, if we look at the Lake House, um, which Ella has sustained for for decades now, what Dan Hunt is doing at Bray, they're still going um, and they're still going strong. I think regional dining is probably about to experience another burst, and I, I don't want to try and predict that it will have that burst of of visitation. But there has been a great kind of. I don't know, a lot of people who were very interested in making sure the industry survived. Uh, and and what was done by people like Shane Lear at Providor, for example, to uh, be able to bring that dining experience into our home has made people a bit more aware of the quality of the produce we have available to us in Victoria. Um, we're very proud to boast that our, our bar and our restaurant uh, are 100% Victorian, so all the wines, beers, spirits we serve in the bar are all Victorian. Uh, the mixes come from just up the road. So that whole focus on being able to offer something that is a very Victorian experience has, has been a great driver for us. Likewise, the restaurant will be 100% Victorian produce. There's nothing that's going to come from outside the state. Um, that was a very deliberate decision we made early on. The cafe will probably sit at around 80% Victorian. There are obviously things that we can't we can't buy rice from Victoria. We can't buy vanilla from Victoria. But there, there is a real focus for us to do as much as we can that's, that's local. And I think that's appreciated. And one of the great things that we've discovered as 
as a business is the willingness and the the real drive from other businesses in the town to to lift us up. And I, there was a lovely quote that one of our customers made the other day that when the tide rises, everything rises with it. Um, so we've made a bit of an effort to, to meet some of those other operators in the town to go and be seen in their business and support their business. And we're discovering that there is a real uh, a real drive in, in Ballarat for Ballarat region to become uh, known as a dining destination. Melbourne Food and Wine are, are doing a whole series of events out here. We were going to be part of that. Sadly, we've had to withdraw because we've got priorities that have shifted for us and that's that's getting parts of our business open. But seeing that there is um, a drive from Melbourne Food and Wine to, to, to feature Ballarat as a, as a regional destination is fantastic because there is all kinds of things happening here. There are beautiful micro producers that we're drawing on and it's it's just really kind of at that point Danny that it's about to explode and I'm, I'm really excited by that we're really excited by that as a business but also those people that are in and around our region are incredibly excited that there is that that drive that push for for Ballarat to be recognized as a, a real foodie destination and what about staffing? I mean, that's uh, certainly an issue everywhere, but in the regions it's perhaps even more acute. How are you going with that? Um, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a huge challenge. And so we have to think outside of the square, I guess, where um, we're very keen to meet people who may have worked in the industry that have gone on to do other things that, that may want to dabble back or, or come back and check it out. I think it comes down to um, what we can offer people. And certainly the, the region itself is beautiful. It's a lovely place to live. Um, for us, I think it's knowing that, that we can – we can teach skills. We can't teach passion. Um, we can't teach people to have a personality. So uh, as I have done over many years in, in management in the industry, we will, we will find people who have um, customer service skills or who have personalities that are willing or, or keen to learn um, because, as I say, we can, we can teach skills and it may be people people's first time in the industry when they're in their 50s or, or older who really just want to have that experience. We've got a young apprentice who grew up in the region. Um, he is super keen uh, to, to learn. He has an incredible passion for what he, what he does. So the skills can be taught. So I think that's been our focus in, in our recruitment. Um, thankfully, as a small team, we haven't needed to... Uh, to go too hard um, on building a whole team. We have a chef, we have a, um, a manager, we're just putting a barista and, a, and another chef into place. And uh, whilst that's been a challenge, it's um, we're, we're fingers crossed that we're able to find the people that we can um, actually elevate into that space. Mm, I think it's... Um I mean, it's great really to hear you talking about, you know, older people or people with without experience coming into the workforce. I mean, there's so many positives in needing to look further afield or, yeah, to look in other areas for, for people who can, um, yeah, work in your business with you. Mm. And people who may, and I don't want this to sound awful, but people who may be overlooked because they don't kind of fit um, a mould, and that's, I'm not saying that this happens, but people who may have some um, some interesting histories or indeed have, uh, you know, have struggled because they may, you know, have some mental health challenges, sit on the spectrum, they may be culturally diverse. All of those things kind of have to go out the window because it's, it's not about being 
it's a fussy, but we really have to focus on making sure that we've we've got a team of people that we can rely on that become part of our, our family. We're a family business, um, and I say that without any anything tongue in cheek. It's my brother, my partner, myself. Um, so we are a family business. So anyone that comes into the business becomes very much a part of our family. Something else I think that I've really noticed over the past couple of years, Pete, is the the rise and rise of Filipino cuisine in Australia. Certainly something that I learned a lot about through lockdown and all the various side hustles going on. So your partner and, and chef Jigs Lawanag has a Filipino background. Will that come into the restaurant much at all? Very much so. Um, we're very lucky that Jigs does has a, have a Filipino heritage. So he's born in the Philippines, grew up kind of at his grandmother's and mother's side, um, watching them cook, watching what, what they did and kind of all of those very traditional uh, Filipino dishes are part of his identity, I guess. He then went and worked around the world, um, has seen a lot. So I guess we're, we're looking to to bring his heritage into um, our cuisine, certainly in the restaurant. But at the same time, it's it's the restaurant is really about produce. It's what's available to us and, and where that produce is and where it comes from and it's local and all of that. So um, there'll be a couple of dishes in the cafe that, that are Filipino. So one is called Sisig. It's a dish that's made of pork belly. It's served on a sizzling platter. It is absolutely delicious. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly... I don't want to say be part of a trend because that seems to be um, silly in this industry, but Filipino Filipino food, Filipino cuisine is finally finding its space um, in amongst many other cuisines that we probably are more familiar with, Vietnamese, Thai, um, Indonesian, all of those. So it's it's nice to see it. Um, and I think what what's happening with Sarai and, and Ross Magnane in Melbourne is probably driving a little bit of the interest in the cuisine as well. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly be making some nods to his heritage. Yeah, really exciting. And, I mean, is that going to be through the restaurant as well? And with that all Victorian focus, do you anticipate any challenges in, I suppose, rendering Filipino dishes or concepts but using all Victorian ingredients? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> yes, as in we, we will have those influences. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely correct, the challenges of finding um, what we need. So what we can't find, we're contemplating how we grow it. So calamansi, for example, um, a beautiful little Filipino citrus. We know that we can get some trees. Um, they'll be ready in a couple of weeks. Um, so we will plant those in the garden here. We've got a, a garden space. So anything else we can't find, we will um, pop into the garden and grow ourselves. So it will be hyper-local then. We've got a lovely garden space here at the hotel. We've got another garden space at home. So our plan is to to kind of be able to grow anything that we can't source and think that might be some fresh ginger, um, you know, all sorts of things. I mean, obviously some of these things are, are available in Victoria um, and if we have to adapt a recipe just to make it work, uh, it's, it's certainly doable as well. That's so exciting. It's, it's such the Australian story, isn't it, that um, – yeah, I mean, migrant communities over the centuries have come in and if they couldn't find the ingredients, they'd bring in the seeds and grow it. So, yeah, it's amazing to be part of that story, especially in a community like Ballarat, which, you know, has such important migrant stories threaded through its history. 
It does, and there is actually a really vibrant Filipino community here. Uh, so we popped into an Asian grocer the other day, and, and it was interesting listening to Jigs speak in Tagalog uh, to the woman behind the counter, and it was it was kind of lovely. We we're talking about this particular ketchup um, that he loves to eat that is spicy, that is made from bananas. Um, and they were both very disappointed that when the order had come in to the the, the, the Asian grocer that the banana ketchup wasn't there so there was a lovely little conversation about that banana ketchup which I've become really fond of as well it's got a lovely little spice to it so um, yeah there, there is quite a strong Filipino community in the region and I think that's going to be you know probably a community that will support us as much as anything else. So Pete how, like stepping back a bit from all the particulars like how are you feeling about this big project? Uh, we, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to be uh, part of a community in in Ballarat, and it's really exciting for the three of us to put all of our skills into place, and for us to to build a business that's that's you know going to take its place as part of Ballarat's culinary tapestry. But it's also nice to be part of a, a regional community again. We all grew up in regional Victoria. Paul grew up just up the road in Meredith. Um, a number of my siblings were born here at St John of God Hospital in Ballarat, which is, you know, less than a kilometre up the road. One of my sisters has passed away as an infant. She's buried up in, in the, the new cemetery nearby. So we have a lovely connection to Ballarat and it's it's really exciting to be kind of back here. I came here just outside, out of my apprenticeship and, and worked in a couple of hotels as my first foray into to leadership roles in kitchens. So it's it's really lovely to be back in this community and, and, and very much feel a part of it. And I think we're all excited about what this hotel can offer. Obviously, we're all exhausted um, because we've been, you know, popping in some really long hours to get it all ready and, and do the things we need to do. But at the same time, there's there's incredible, like this really palpable excitement. We're all jumping around that we're opening our, our cafe on the weekend because it's been a bit of a labour of love. Um, so yeah, we're we're just we're just incredibly excited as a team of people to to see it all alive. We've got accommodation that's that's running upstairs, so that's um, some renovations coming next year to to make those individual hotel rooms rather than the apartments we have, um, which is kind of our next major project once we get the the other outlets all operating. Love it, and I mean, as a as a gay man returning to Ballarat with your partner, I mean, do you feel like regional Australia has um, shifted in terms of I don't know being safe spaces for people of all orientations? Uh, significantly, very much so. Um, here, back in the end of the eighties, it was um, it was a very interesting place to be. I wasn't out at the time, but. Um, it's, it's a very welcoming, it's a very accepting community. Um, our mayor, the mayor of Ballarat is gay. He's just proposed to his partner on the weekend, I think, at Werribee Mansion. Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's a very welcoming space. Regional Victoria has changed incredibly. Uh, certainly with regard to the LGBTIQ community, we, I think a lot of that came from the, the marriage equality vote, but I think also it's come from just a, a shifting global acceptance of diversity and that that kind of goes from a cultural point of view as much as it does gender and sexuality so um i think we're very we're very lucky it's a regional it's a major regional city there is a very welcoming community we've got our our own piano bar uh, in the main drag that, that has a, 
you know, there's some drag shows in there in the week and all sorts of things. So yeah, it's, it's very much a, a, a place that is very different now for um, for for people of, of diverse sexuality and gender. And you know, we we see it every day. Uh, we see it in our customer base. We see it in um, what we see in the community. So it's it's yeah, it's it's very welcoming. So much to be happy and excited about, Pete. I'm really thrilled to catch you for a chat at this, yeah, poised on the threshold of all these new things. Um, Yeah, wish you all the best with Hotel Canberra and all its many iterations and I cannot wait to get up there and check it all out. We can't wait for you to get here and come and have a look. We'll roll out the red carpet for you. (laughs) Maybe could you draw me along in a a tram with a horse at the front? Uh, I... (laughs) I don't know. There's. Uh, I was looking at some photos the other day, or some vision of, of the trams uh, when they were operating as um, as actual trams that weren't horse drawn. I think they're electric trams. Um, it would be great to see trams back in Ballarat. I think there is one that goes along Lake Wendereed. That's probably about the best we could do. Okay, I'll I'll look <laughs> I'll look into it. Um, great to chat. Thanks so much, Pete. Thanks, Danny. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having us. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.